Part 1, Chapter 7, Kill the Witch. What do we do now? It was all Cassandra could think to say. The tears that poured down her face were hot, angry. How was any of this fair? She fell to her knees there on the mountainside and sobbed. She felt powerless. Powerless to kill the witch. Powerless to save poor Ajax. Powerless even to stand and move forward. She hated Jaros for his demands, his absurdity, for what he might do to Ajax. She knew she must needs think of how to kill Zagora, but it was Jaros whom she wished was dead. It wasn't practical. They needed him for finding Niramaris, but she wished it all the same. Talavos stopped and came to comfort her. Don't worry, Cassandra. I will figure something out. How can you? It's hopeless. How can a girl under Windsprite ever hope to kill that witch? I've seen her stay the hands of giants, and even Jaros fears to enter her lair. We must avoid her lair, then, Televo said. Maybe we can reason backwards, sift out the things that won't work, and see what we are left with in the end. Talavos' optimism could not drag her from her mind's dark depths. She could see no ray of hope. In fact, hope felt far away. It had abandoned her, and Philip, and now Ajax too. Her mind returned to the last look she'd shared with Ajax. Perhaps her final glimpse of him alive. She thought of the last time she'd seen Philip too. His blue eyes locked with hers before he had disappeared. Please don't give up, Cassandra, Talavos coaxed. I will think of something. I know Zagora well. I know her ways. She will never expect us to come back. And that is to our advantage. He didn't feel half so confident as his words led on. But he felt responsible. He'd never been particularly brave. Having helped the children escape Zagora still felt foreign to him, as though someone else had done it. He didn't know where it had come from, but he was glad for it. Now, he had to plot Zagora's death, and somehow carry it out. He didn't know if he could do it, but he was too fond of Cassandra and Ajax to refuse. He took her hand and helped her to her feet, and together they made it down the mountain. The wastes lay still in night's black grip, and the gorge was cast in shadows. Cassandra looked exhausted, and Talavos realized that she had not slept a wink the night before. They'd spent it walking through the wastes. We need to stop, he said. You must rest. I'm not tired, said Cassandra. She looked as though she might collapse at any moment. Over here, Talavos said, leading her to a cleft in the rock. Lie down for a while. And rest your body. There's a nice stone there. Just the size for a pillow. You don't have to sleep. But just rest a while. Then we'll carry on. But it can't be safe here. Something might come upon us while we sleep. She protested. I will watch and make sure that doesn't happen. Said Talavos. But you must be tired too. Cassandra said. I do not require sleep the way a human might, he said. 
it was true. The Fae did not find rest and sleep the way that other creatures do. They were refreshed by dreams alone. True, some dreams were had by way of catnaps. But a daydream did about as well. And as Talavos kept watch, he allowed his mind to slip into that state. His eyes were alert while his mind wandered into fancy. It was work to keep the reveries from sliding into anguish or despair, but he managed long enough to feel some vigor steal into his mind and body. I'm really not tired, repeated Cassandra softly. Her eyes were closed, and within a moment, she was fast asleep. Her face no longer wore the cares of wakeful life. She too had crossed into the land of dreams. He let her sleep, and hoped Ajax would be all right for it. It was mid-morning before dawn's bright arrows pierced the gorge. Cassandra sat up with a start. Ajax! She cried. There were tears glistening on her cheeks. I've gone and fallen asleep. What do you think has happened to him, Talavos? No, he's all right, Talavos assured her. I've just come from seeing him. When dawn broke... I flew up to see if I could catch a glimpse of him on the mountaintop. I had to wait for dawn so I could keep an eye on you down here as well. He was fast asleep on a pile of ramskins. Jaros must have laid them out for him. He looked quite comfortable. Please don't lie to me, Talavos, she said. If he is dead, tell me. I would rather hear it now. No, I promise he's alive, just as I've said. She breathed a deep sigh of relief and stood up. I dreamed that Jaros killed him last night and threw him down on the rocks beside me. It is not so, Talibo said with a smile. She tossed him an apple from her satchel, and he caught it with both hands and dug in. She munched a piece of stale bread. I feel better this morning, she said. I don't know what we'll do about Zagora, but I'm ready to go and try something. Have you thought of a plan yet? Not yet, he said. But I still have time. They walked as they ate. The morning was indecisive, alternating splotchy clouds with breaks of brilliant sunlight. The wind sprite racked his brain all the while. He had not stopped thinking about it through the night. How to kill Zagora. Each hour brought them closer to a lair and still no grand idea presented itself. Nothing held up. No notion graced his mind that he could not cast down with doubt or reason till it seemed invalid. He felt the pinch of time, like sand sifting through the hourglass slim throat. A glance at Cassandra showed her less perplexed than yesternight. She trusted him to think it out, to find a way, but he had not done it. He despised the wretched weight of it, how it pressed him till he knew he was nothing more than an imposter. How long until Cassandra saw it too, that he was not but a low and foolish sprite who lacked the sense to form a valid plan. They glimpsed a few towering megaliths that Cassandra warned might be stone giants. They gave the likely stone giants a wide berth. The rugged hollow came too quickly, loomed before them haunting Talavos. Just a little further through that hollow, and they would find Zagora's cave. It sent a shiver through him. 
the memories, all too fresh, of years in tortured servitude, enslaved, bound by magic to act upon the witch's whims. He wondered why he'd ever come back. Everything in him wished to flee, to never see the place again, but something held him fast. It was not like the magic that had bound him for so long. It was softer. He could break it, if he chose, but it was for that reason he did not. He had come for love. That is what bound him to Ajax and Cassandra. An idea struck him then. It wasn't overly clever, but it did not involve entering Zagora's lair, which lent it some merit, he supposed. It was far from guaranteed. In fact, it probably would fail, but it was something. They would go around, climb the hills that line the hollow and lie in wait for Zagora, high above the entrance to her cave. When she emerged in fox form, they would cast down stones to crush her head. He told Cassandra this, and the two of them climbed up to wait. From their perch above the cave, they could see most of the hollow and much of the surrounding wastes. There was no sign of the witch. Two uneventful hours passed before they caught sight of Zagora. She padded from the cave, not so much as glancing up. Both the girl and the wind sprite froze, and then the moment was gone. Everything had been right for the kill. They had gathered stones, seven sandy-colored things, more than they could ever hope to need. Small enough for Cassandra to lift and Talibos to roll, but large enough to break a skull. It was not a lack of preparation. It was fear that held them back. I'm too much of a coward, Cassandra said as soon as Zagora wandered out of sight. She stifled a sob. I've let them down. Ajax and Philip both. Talavos tried to console her, but he felt just as rotten. He had never killed. It was against his nature to do such things. I was scared to drop it, Cassandra went on. I knew I wouldn't hit her with it, but I should have done it all the same. The two of them sat in silence for a long time, brooding in the shame of cowardice. Suddenly, Talavos perked up, his eyes bright. Do you still have the key Sagora gave us? He asked. Yes, in my bag, Cassandra said. But why do you want to go inside? It will be worse for us in there when she comes back, and I don't think either of us has the heart to kill her. I know, said Talbos. But that's just it. We won't kill her. I'll sit right in and take something of hers, and then we'll go present it to Jaros as if we had killed her. We'll be long gone and near Morris if he keeps his word, or else on our way with Ajax before he ever realizes he's been duped. That is brilliant, Talavos, Cassandra said, taking hold of him and kissing his scaly head. I won't be long, he said when she'd handed him the key. With that, he flitted down into the hollow and vanished into the cave. The wind kicked up, biting through Cassandra's cloak and blowing dust into her eyes. She shivered and wondered how long until Talavos came back. It was the first time she had been alone in the wastes, or since she'd left home, for that matter. She suddenly felt the vastness of the world around her, and just how small she was. She tried to corral her thoughts, but it was no use. 
her mind kept going back to the same places. What if Talavos never came back? She remembered the outside door to Zagora's labyrinth had opened with command. Talavos might get in by knowing that command, but getting out was different. What if Zagora had changed the lock inside? What if that bone key no longer worked? Zagora would return eventually and catch him. What if the lock wasn't changed, but the witch returned before he was finished and caught him? Cassandra felt helpless. She would have no way of warning him if Zagora came back without being seen herself. And if he was locked in, well, she didn't know the command to open the door from the outside. She wished she would have asked him before he left. A high-pitched yap chilled her blood, and she knew before she turned who it was. There, on the ledge behind her, stood a black fox with yellow eyes. Cassandra felt the magic taking over her body. Her limbs were heavy, too heavy to move, and there was a bright light glowing just above her eyes. It was the same spell Zagora had used once on the stone giants, and now it held Cassandra fast. She couldn't even scream. Another sound from the fox. A low, chattering noise this time, and Cassandra felt her feet lift from the ground. She was floating now, like broken ice atop a river that cannot help but flow downstream. She could do nothing but float along after Zagora, down the hill, and into the hollow. Her heart was racing. Everything in her wished to break free, but her limbs would not obey. She was a living statue, trapped inside a body that may as well have been stone. Panic set in, though it made no difference. She was Zagora's now, and she knew what was coming. Into the darkness of the cave they plunged, deeper and deeper until all around was pitch black. Zagora made no globe of light this time. She surely had the cave memorized by now. Cassandra floated in the void, lost what was up or down. She was a fly now, bound in spider silk, as good as spider food. At last, Zagora barked, and through the sideways door they passed, back into her home. So good of you to come back, my sweet Cassandra. Zagora's voice dripped with honey. I suspect that traitor Talavos is here somewhere. Do I seem like such a daft old wretch that I wouldn't know if someone broke into my house? Cassandra couldn't answer. She never stopped to consider that the witch might know such a thing by magic. But where is Ajax, that delicious boy? Zagora wondered aloud as she bound Cassandra's wrist with rope tight enough to tear into her flesh. She snapped her fingers and the spell lifted from Cassandra. Out with it, girl. Tell me, where is Ajax? Cassandra, now able to answer, kept her lips shut and stared at the floor. Zagora snorted and yanked the other end of the rope that bound her wrists. The force nearly pulled Cassandra off her feet. She tried in vain to resist the witch, but Zagora pulled her easily along. About that time, Talavos rounded the corner, horror written on his face. He must have heard them. Zagora spoke a word that Cassandra did not understand. Dogwitz! 
and Talibos froze in the air, a glowing mark above his brow. With a flick of Zagor's finger and another word, he was floating along helplessly in tow beside Cassandra. Zagor brought them to a room with an ugly cage that hung by a chain from the ceiling. It looked like a birdcage, but large enough for a stooped child or a wind sprite. You remember this place, Talavos, my dear? Zagora said, casting him into the cage and slamming the door before releasing him from the spell. He hovered there and looked out at Cassandra, with eyes that showed just how his heart was breaking. Cassandra noticed how cruel the cage was then. There were spikes on every bar, all pointing inward. Talavos had hardly room to turn around without being cut or gouged, and he could not land. The bottom of the cage was lined with spikes as well, sharp as daggers. Oh, don't leave him in there! Cassandra cried. The witch struck her with a blow that stung her cheek and made her ear ring. It's just what he deserves, isn't it, Talavos, you traitorous fiend? Zagora hissed. She pushed the cage so that the spikes pierced into Talavos' skin and caused his violet blood to run. He gasped in pain and moved to match the rocking of the cage as best he could. Do what you want with me, Sagora, he said. But let Cassandra go. Give her your ring and let her go and I'll serve you for the rest of my days, voluntarily. And why my ring? Where is Ajax, Talavos, my sweet worm? Asked Sagora. We've come from Jaros, said Talavos. He wants you dead. Of course he does. Zagora snapped. And he sent the two of you to kill me. He's crazier than I am. <laughs> she laughed so hard that tears rolled down her plump cheeks. So you came to take something of mine to tell him I was dead? That you'd killed me? Oh, goodness. He must have Ajax then. The witch was no fool. Do let Cassandra go, Talibos pleaded. You know as well as I that your blood magic doesn't work. I know no such thing. Zagora folded her arms, tugging Cassandra off balance with the rope. This girl is obviously special. You've seen it too, you sly sprite. Perhaps you have some plan of your own for her. I'm nothing special, protested Cassandra. You see magic, girl. You do, I know it, said Zagora. Don't play coy. I can spot a soul with a gift as easily as I might pick a lion from a flock of sheep. But I don't know the first thing about magic, said Cassandra. And you don't have to. Zagora's red lips formed a smile. It's in your blood, and that's enough for me. No, Zagora. Talavos' cry was anguished. Such a silly sprite you are, Zagora said to him. Thinking to bargain with me? I have no need of your willing servitude. Surely not after how false you've proved yourself. I'll bind you to myself again when I have time to root out that spell. It's time to take beautiful Cassandra now. Down the hall we go to free Auntie Zagora from her curses. Talavos' cries echoed throughout the hall, long after they'd left the room. Zagora, please. 
Zagora moved at a quick pace. A giddy executioner. I'm going to die, thought Cassandra. I'm really going to die. Tears ran down her face. I'll never see my parents or my home again. Never see Philip again. She thought of Ajax, left to die alone with Jaros. She hoped Jaros would change his mind, or forget and let Ajax go. But she knew if that happened that Ajax would come looking for her. He would try to kill Zagora. The hero in his blood was too strong. He would come, and he would die. She thought she would have liked to give Ajax a favor someday when he was a knight. Her handkerchief, perhaps. It was a brave thing he'd done, to leave home on this journey in search of Philip. She wished so terribly that she could see him grow into a proper knight. There was no time now. It was almost up for her. They entered the room lit by oil lamps and a fire in the hearth. It was the place of the manskin rug and the altar, stained with blood. The altar gleamed in the fire glow. Seeing it sent another wave of panic through Cassandra, and she kicked and screamed and fell, sobbing, pleading to the ground. Zagora only dragged her on, lifted her, and placed her on the altar. Though she fought tooth and nail, at length each of Cassandra's arms and legs were bound to metal rings around the altar's base. Once she was tied, Zagora turned away to rummage for the knife. Cassandra tried to wriggle free, but the ropes held her to the altar. And when the witch turned around, the twisted blade was in her hand. Step by step she advanced, up the dais stairs, one deliberate footfall at a time. Hello everyone, this is Keith, writer and co-creator of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the series, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend about us. It really helps. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Path of Legends. We're proud to be a part of the Podbelly Network. You can find us and other great podcasts at podbelly.com. Thanks again for listening.